Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hey there, my name's Michael Laminato, and this is Preview Day at the 2023 Spanish Grand Prix on Pit Pass F1. Pass F1 is brought to you by Evergreen Podcasts, and this week Formula One teams face one of their sternest challenges of the year in Barcelona. The Circuit de Barcelona Catalunya is a favourite for F1 testing because of the way it examines the car's aerodynamics across the speed range, as well as its mechanical platform and dynamics. Considering we haven't raced at a permanent traditional street track since the first round of the year way back in Bahrain in March, this weekend will give us a useful temperature check on the spread of the field. It's also why upgrades are such a significant talking point here. Several teams are bringing swags of new parts knowing that they'll get an excellent read on their effectiveness. All eyes will be on Ferrari in particular and its postponed upgrades from Imola. Mercedes will also get a chance to properly evaluate the new parts it introduced last weekend in Monaco. Fernando Alonso is in the spotlight this weekend, understandably, with F1 enjoying a renaissance in Spain off the back of his strong start to the season. But the Spaniard is fully expecting a Red Bull Racing 1-2 at a track that will probably allow the season's form team to really stretch its legs. The only question is whether Sergio Perez can hit back after a painful non-score last weekend. So to check in on the paddock's going-ons on Thursday, including a remarkable rant from Haas boss Gunther Steiner, let's hear now from your host all weekend, it's Chris Medlin. Hello folks, Chris Medlin back with you this weekend to look ahead to the Spanish Grand Prix, and it comes off the back of Monaco, which was Aston's big chance. That was a race that really felt like it was there for the taking for Aston Martin, the way they'd set up with the tyres, the way the rain came at the right time, but it didn't quite happen and Max Verstappen again won. Now, I'm sure you got all of that last weekend, but because we've come here so quickly after the Monaco Grand Prix, it has been one of the main talking points. And from a Red Bull perspective, it's been whether they're unbeatable or not, because Monaco was meant to be the race where it could all go wrong, where they could be finally beaten, where the winning streak would come to an end. And instead, Verstappen has continued it and he admits he feels like Red Bull could win every race this year now, but says it's very unlikely to happen. He says that based on pace, it, it looks like Red Bull have that ability. Uh, he thinks that actually they've got the car that would allow them to do that, but there's so much that can go wrong during a Formula 1 season, whether it's retirements through reliability, whether it's a driver error, whether it's another driver's error, that things can come into play over such a long campaign that just mean it's so hard to execute all of them to the level that means you win each single one. Verstappen also thinks there's tracks that just won't suit Red Bull so much uh, and that they might have some bad luck in qualifying on a circuit that then really kind of doesn't allow them to recover in the way they have at other times. And it is true that we've seen that from Red Bull this season. Uh, if we think back to Jeddah when Verstappen had an issue and had to start a long way back on the grid, uh, Miami similarly where he made a mistake and a red flag caught him out, all those sorts of things uh, mean that you end up with drivers out of position, but they've just been quick enough on the right tracks to come through from there. If that, say, had happened in Monaco, 
won, won the race. There could be races like Singapore in the future that could also do that. So I can see why Verstappen is slightly conservative on that. But at the same time, he does say, yes, we have the car that's quick enough to win at all times. That's maybe an ominous sign for Red Bull and for the chasing pack, but not such an ominous sign for Sergio Perez, who was in quite a punchy mood today, Thursday, in Barcelona in the paddock. He was speaking to the media and saying that he fully believes he can fight back and he's confident he's still very much in this title fight. Now, it would be completely remiss to rule him out at this stage, but the point being that Perez has now dropped more than a race victory behind Verstappen in the standings, and he's got to somehow find a way of turning that round. And we just haven't seen in the past that he's able to do that. We've seen you can match him at certain venues, stay close. And that's what he had done up until Miami. But since Verstappen got that win in Miami, starting far behind Pulsar to Perez, it, it's looked a little bit ominous. But Perez says that the speed is there. And that's why he's still confident. He said if he'd have crashed in Monaco and he was half a second off or a second off the pace, then he'd be really concerned. But the fact that he's got the speed he thinks to challenge Verstappen on multiple circuits, that's why he's just focused on putting Monaco behind him in that crash and the lack of points that he got there and hitting back with trying to win this weekend and start to claw back that deficit. So it will be interesting to see because this will be a weekend that Perez needs to capitalise. Realistically, sat here right now, I'm telling you, it's most likely going to be Perez or Verstappen that wins. Unlike in Monaco when we're thinking they'd be heavily challenged, uh, this is a track that really should suit Red Bull. Now, one of the reasons Red Bull should be confident as favourites coming here is the track layout, and more specifically the new track layout that we've got at the Circuit de Barcelona Catalunya. Previously, Turn 13 was a right-hander that was kind of mid-speed and dropped you down to Turns 14 and 15, which was a chicane prior to the final corner. That was introduced some... 15 years ago now uh, to try and address the fact that it was tough for cars to follow through the final two corners and also for MotoGP purposes at this venue. But from this weekend, we're going back to the old layout that features a fast right-hander at turn 13, no chicane, and then just the final corner, which will become much, much faster too. Uh, speaking to the drivers today, they're all big fans of this change. It kind of fits with the flow of the circuit is the way they put it. Most of this track is medium to high speed. There's no real low speed corners anywhere else on the track. Uh, turn five is probably the slowest corner now that turn 10, which is the uh, long left-hander towards the end of the lap, uh, has become a bit wider and quicker. So there's just this flow and high speed and that's the way you set the car up. Uh, and it suits those corners when you set it up that way. In the past, they still set it up that way, but then had to deal with a low-speed chicane that felt clumsy and awkward because it just wasn't the same as any of the other corners on the circuit. So now they're much more excited to be able to really attack this track, but it is going to be those final two corners. The penultimate corner now, uh, most drivers seem to think will be flat out quite comfortably, but it will put a lot of stress through the front tyres. The front left particularly uh, will get very hot through there because of the load that will be put through it at that speed. This was something that Oscar Piastri was explaining to the media earlier today and then when you've got the tyres already kind of crying out a little bit going into the final corner which is tighter but more sweeping then that's one where some cars might be able to go flat out in qualifying if the tyres are in shape but they think it's going to be a trickier one so uh, it'll be really interesting to see how it plays out a few of the drivers are kind of joking that they won't be the first ones to try to go flat out through turn 14 I think Logan Sargent in the press conference was making that joke but it will mean that it's very high speed finish to the lap and then a long straight down to turn one. So DRS should be very, very effective here. We should see a lot of overtaking. So this should be a good venue for racing this weekend. And that's going to be exciting. But with the DRS effect, that will suit Red Bull. So it's going to be tough for anyone else to get close to them. 
but it should mean that we're in for an exciting race further down the field. Now, it might be an exciting prospect, but it will also be a big test for the likes of Mercedes and Ferrari. Aston Martin too, who are bringing some upgrades, but a lot of the focus has been on the new parts being brought by Ferrari, as well as the Mercedes update that we saw in Monaco. Let's start with Ferrari first. Charles Leclerc was speaking uh, this afternoon about the new parts that they're going to have. We haven't had the official document yet from the FIA to explain every detail. We get that on a Friday morning. That will be released uh, before, as media, we can go into the pit lane and take a look at the cars and see what the changes are that they've made. So they all get listed, but at this stage, it appears to be some bodywork, potentially the side pods and the rear suspension that Ferrari have been working on. And Leclerc is saying he's not expecting it to really provide a step forward in pace, or not a noticeable one in raw pace. But that doesn't mean they can't go quicker. That might sound confusing, but the thing that Ferrari are looking for is consistency. If we think of Ferrari on a Saturday in qualifying, We've seen them be very, very quick. Leclerc's been on pole twice in Baku. They've threatened pole positions at times this season. I mean, they were close to pole in Monaco before Leclerc's penalty. So the Ferrari over one lap can be very, very fast. But then you get into the race and it loses that performance because it's just so inconsistent. Every lap, every corner, the car is acting differently. And Leclerc says it's when it's on higher fuel, running a bit slower, maybe the conditions change the car isn't in the perfect window it then gets very tricky to drive he describes it as very peaky and that peakiness is what gives no confidence to the driver so they can't be sure what the car's going to do then they back off slightly then that means they're not getting the lap time out of it but also potentially they can't keep the tires in the right window certain things all start to unravel now what ferrari want with this upgrade is to remove that uncertainty to get more consistency and get that car performing regularly lap after lap corner after corner in race trim in a way that the drivers are confident in and they can really trust and if they get that then the drivers can push that bit more but also they ideally will be consistent at a higher level throughout the weekend and throughout the race if you basically remove the low points then they're going to get a quicker race time even though they haven't actually improved the performance of the car in terms of raw downforce or pace it's just more a more usable machine that's what ferrari are aiming for that's maybe a bit different to what mercedes were hoping to see Lewis Hamilton was saying today that he has been happy with the progress uh, because it is clearly progress that Mercedes have made with the new parts that they brought to Monaco. But he also said it's not as big a step as they'd hoped for. So Mercedes clearly have been crunching the numbers back at base since Monaco to have a look and see essentially what the upgrade has brought in terms of performance from what they can understand from that circuit, which is a very unique circuit. Barcelona here with the high-speed corners, with the layout, is a perfect testing venue. So they're going to get far more answers, but Hamilton doesn't think the step has been as big as the team was hoping for and says they've got a second a lap to find in race pace to close up to Red Bull. And that hasn't been done with this upgrade. And it never was going to be done with this upgrade. The team are very clear about that. But I think they were expecting a little bit more or hoping for a little bit more from it. We'll get the proof on Friday during practice, so I'll come back to you with that tomorrow. But at this stage, it was more that Hamilton was saying, but we're going in the right direction. It's good to see the progress, the feedback that George Russell and I are giving to the team, being taken on board and being put into practice. And it means we have a better car that we're happier with, even if it's not yet quick enough. So as it stands, I think we're going to see that Mercedes aren't quite where they want to be, but are making progress. If it's a positive outcome, then maybe that gap to the Red Bulls and the front of the grid is a little bit smaller than maybe they were expecting coming here. 
Now, one final point that I thought was really interesting today in the paddock when we're chatting to some team members was actually one of the team principal press conferences and was chatting to Gunter Steiner about what happened with Nico Hulkenberg in Monaco. Hulkenberg got penalised in the race for causing a collision at the start when he overtook Logan Sargent into Mirabeau and he was through the car down the inside, nearly ran into the back of Lance Stroll at the same time. It looked aggressive, but it just about worked out. Now, Steiner was very, very unhappy. He just did not understand why it had been a penalty for causing a collision because he said, looking at all the data, looking at all the imagery, looking at all the footage, there was no collision. He says that Haas asked the FIA for kind of proof of the collision to explain their reasoning, thinking that they maybe had angles that Haas didn't have the ability to access. And when Haas looked at that, they found that it was the same footage that they'd seen and the same pictures they'd seen. So they went back to the FIA and said, there's no collision here. We can't see a collision. The FIA say there was one. It essentially has boiled down to who believes it was or wasn't based on the same footage, which is an interesting scenario to be in. But what Steiner's really got annoyed about is the inconsistency. He says there was a number of collisions in the race. Later on, the Hulkenberg incident was on the first lap when the stewards are normally more lenient. But he said later on, drivers were running into each other. Think of Carlos Sainz on Esteban Ocon, Sergio Perez as well, I think, into the back of Kevin Magnussen. And those incidents went unpunished. There was a black and white flag that warned the driver for the fact that they'd run into somebody else. So Stein is saying, well, how can someone make clear contact and not get a penalty when my driver doesn't make clear contact and does get one? He's very frustrated at that lack of consistency. But he says it's not the fault of the current stewards. It's a fault of the system. And Steiner wants to see permanent, full-time, paid stewards in Formula 1, professional referees. Because Formula 1 doesn't have that. They have volunteers that have experience, that work their way through the ranks of the FIA, but they are volunteers in the role of stewards. And that means, in Steiner's eyes, there's no accountability in the sense of there's no fear that they could lose their job because it's not a job. They're not being paid for it. Now, if you are being paid and it's your livelihood, you've got to get it right and keep performing at a high level to ensure that you continue to do that job. And that's what Steiner says is lacking. He says, you look at all the other sports in the world and there were times where the refereeing and the officiating was maybe not as good as it is today, but it's become far more professional. He used football or soccer as the example. So that is one where it's very, very true. There's a lot of high level refereeing now, professionals in the game, a number of them available. Some of them are former players. Some of them are just qualified professionals because that's all they've worked at. And he says that's what Formula One needs. So Steiner is really starting the call for uh, full-time professional stewards. Alex Albon had that put to him and he fully agreed. He didn't want to be the headline, he said, but he heard everything that Steiner said and agreed with it and said someone like Julian Palmer, who does some really good analysis on the official Formula One website uh, and for the BBC, is someone that he thinks has a great take on the way racing goes and would be perfect for that sort of role. Perhaps the problem is A, how much do you pay them? And B, would they be willing to give up 24 race weekends a year to travel the world to be a steward? When for some, they've actually looked to get out and go a bit more part-time or travel less. So potentially it needs to be a pool of stewards uh, in the same way that we have like a single driver steward. You could actually have a pool of them that are all professionals and that you rotate through them, which would probably work best in terms of avoiding accusations of bias because it's not the same person all the way through. And also, if you think in many sporting setups, you've got multiple officials, so it just takes the heat off each individual one. But this is going to be a talking point moving forward because Steiner was so fired up about it. Uh, He was really, really strong with his opinion that it's where Formula One needs to go. And he thinks for such a big global sport, it's been a real failure that we don't have professional full-time stewards. Beyond that, 
Steiner was also talking about rumours that Alfa Romeo could become the title sponsor for Haas. Funny that this was the uh, kind of byline, the, the second angle to his media session because he was so uh, vehement about the stewarding. But when it comes to the Alfa Romeo and Haas links, he says they just had an introductory meeting in Monaco, no more than that. There's no proposal, there's no talks about sponsorship, he knows nothing about what Alfa Romeo want to do. He thinks they're just looking into their options for when they leave Sauber at the end of this year. So we'll keep you posted on that one, but it seems like it's very, very early days for anything else there. Thanks very much to Chris Medland, who'll be with you all weekend from Barcelona. Make sure you don't miss an update from the Spanish Grand Prix paddock by subscribing to Pit Pass F1 wherever you get your favourite podcasts. And you can visit us at pitpassmotorsports.com. You can also keep up to date all weekend by following Chris on social media. Just check the links in the show description. My name's Michael Laminato. Pit Pass F1 is an evergreen podcast. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix, dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato and I'll catch you after the chequered flag.